0: Chila Gurudev Patita Pavan jai, yeah. Jiman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, yeah. Shri Shri Dhaji Gopal ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavramada ki jai, Gaur Hari Hri So, I want to look here with it name, with it name to all the ones connected online as well. Greetings from Sri Madhuvan in Costa Rica, at the feet of Sri Sri Yodhivupal and the Vaisna. So today we are uh, starting some series of lectures, today and these days, uh, different types of lectures. But today is, according to how it was announced, special lecture. Um, specialties that all of you are here, basically. <laughs> And we will be basically addressing whatever questions you may have, whatever topics you may like to speak about. There will be we will have Ishagosti, which basically means that type of personalized interaction. Where questions are presented according to the individual need and a reply is invoked hopefully according to the individual need and capacity as well as the speaker. So that's it. I don't know if there are any Questions and topic. We already have interesting established in the morning, so we will run out of questions. <laughs> I hope that there always some further divine curiosity over there for any questions. I'm wondering how, as I understand. Myself. Chantarasa is um, uh, present somehow in all of those sub- subsequent rasas. So I'm wondering how to see it uh, present when you see something else, not something else, or another else. Hmm. Okay. I don't know I will repeat the question in case it was not heard here. Here sure Krishna probably is asking. He's wondering how Santa Rasa is present in all the remaining subsequent, subsequent Rasas, like that the Sakyabad Salimaduri in the Dal, specifically. So, yeah, Santa Rasa is a pretty cryptic dimension, <laughs> because we hear very many, many interesting things about Santa Rasa, things like Santarasa can be upgraded to other rasas. Santarasa is not necessarily a form of Prem, interestingly, because it doesn't include Mamata, which is basically one of the most defining attributes of Prem. Mamata means possessiveness, not a sense of, I mean, we have hamamat, Hamamata, that's it. What Samsari is about, Meti, I mean mine, like George Harrison used to sing. They don't make me feel that old. You also heard that song, please. <laughs> All through the day, I in mine, I be mine, I be mine. So he's it's an interesting composition that he's basically depicting the wandering in this world. And, and, and the, the, the common pattern is am which is I am in mean mind. I mean my sense of I, as our guru Mahath will say, is defined, but what do what we think it belongs to us? So it's very like superficial sense of identity, since ultimately nothing belongs to us. But we are to ask ourselves, who do we belong? Do we belong to? Instead of what does belong to me? That's a really superficial and limited way of addressing reality. So, so we have that mamata in this world, <laughs> that is the source of entanglement, but we have the mamata in, in, in Golok, for example, which is the source of enlightenment, if you will, and Rasa. Vatsalya, no? Well, I mean, that her identity is defined because she thinks Krishna is my child. And in, But in that case, she's right. She's correct, so that's not a problem. <laughs> When you think here, this is mine, and therefore I am whatever, that's the problem. The source is Krishna is my child, and therefore I am his mother. So her sense of I is derived from her sense of mine, but her sense of mine is a permanent one, on the basis of Krishna in the center. So so that's one of the main, the most defining qualities of, of praying, you know? possessiveness. And Santa Rasa is one of the main qualities of Santa Rasa's Nirmamata, which means lack of possessiveness. So, then you can be, make a case that necessarily Santa doesn't mean Prem. You can speak in terms of Rati. That's how Rupa Goswami speaks in Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu. He says Santa Rati. We, we will never read his speaking in terms of Santa Prem. And interestingly, when Mahaprabhu also is speaking about, or, or Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is speaking about what Mahaprabhu came to give to the world, Of course, we can speak in different levels, in in a a very unique and exclusive level, we can say he came to give Unnatha Uttipalarasana. The the, the most immediate extended experience of what he himself has experienced, that may be manjari Manjaribhav. But we know that that's not the only dispensation of Gaudiya Sampradaya. And we also have the second half of Mahaprabhu in the form of Sri and the current of Sakyabhav coming to him. So you, there there you can make the one ex- extend extending to two, but Krishna Raskha service is, is even more generous if you will. He's speaking in terms of Chari Bhav. In Chaitanya Chari means four. Four the four bhavs of Vrindavan. But again, interesting when he said the four, he's not saying the five. No, Santaras is not in, in the in the equation there. he's including from Dasya up to Madureva. So it's not that we are against Santa Rasa or anything, <laughs> but it's a very particular uh, situation. So in connection to your question, how is that Santa Rasa is included in the other Rasas? Of course, there is a way to, to speak about that, and Rupa Goswami does, by giving this example of the of the ingredients of, of the Rasala. Rasala is like a very sweet preparation that has camphor and has shook molasses and has ghee, has five ingredients. You know? So he makes the case comparing Madhuri Rasa with that and, and speaking about the other ingredients in the other, but also we have to, to understand in which sense that is implied. You know? Because sometimes you can take that literally and think, I don't know, if, 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 if Batsali Abab is before Madhuri Babas, generally is depicted, although uh, but is Baba, sorry, in terms of aesthetic rapture, with the exception of Priyanarma Sakya, actually, but in generic Sakya is below. But in which, you may ask, so in which sense Yashoda is in Sakya with Krishna? No? Because if Sakya is included in the higher equation of Batsalya, there is some Sakya. You can say, yeah, there is some Sakya, mother has some friendship with the child, but at the same time, it's speaking more about like the like the levels of, of ecstatic ingredients that each rasa is like allowing to experience. And, and, and the higher ones are, are including the, the, because when we speak about Prem, as you know, there's, that's not the, the end of the story. No? I mean, that's just, for Gaudius, that's just the beginning. <laughs> you know, so many develops. No? Sneha, Man, Pranai, ra, Nurad, Bhav, Mahabhav, Adirudh, Mahabhav. Rudha Mahabab, Adiruddha Mahabab, Mohammankya and there are so many, like, levels of that. So, when Rupa Goswami speaks about some rasa including the previous one, it's mostly in the sense of including the the level of prem that is present in the previous one, plus some further bonus strike if you will, some extra experience there. So, regarding your question, how is Santa rasa included in whatever in Jasoda's Vatsalia on Rupa Manjaris Manjariva or whatever of course we have to understand how because again Santa Ras is characterized by one of the attributes is Nirmamata so for sure that's that's not the way in which Santa Ras is present in in Jasoda's Vatsalia I mean if you pay attention to Jasoda she's like the embodiment of of possessiveness Especially when Krishna is about to go for Gocharana Lila with the cows every day with his friends. I mean, you can see her Patsalya hood, like, overflowing the whole down, drowning the whole branch in her (laughs) motherhood possessiveness. Totally uh, imbued in in protecting Krishna and invoking different mantras and protecting the different directions and putting in their and blessing the different... And giving weapons to all the friends of Krishna, you protect him on the north, you're on the south, you're on the east, be careful of the demons, do not allow him to go here, do not and this is getting longer and longer, and Krishna's like, you have to go right now, and he's getting, the cows are moving, the friends are shouting, it's getting late, and you know the whole story, So you, you cannot say, oh, there is no possessiveness in there, no? so is so detached, no, not at all, so, Santa Raza is not present in here in the form of Lack of possessiveness, but for sure. But of course, that's not the all. The all in all about Santarasa. So Santarasa also is characterized by a lack of selfishness. So like, like a like a foundational, underlying platform on which on the on the basis of which all the other. Uh, static, thoracic experiences are built upon. So, in that sense, of course, we can say in that way we find Santa Ras in her. In that sense, again, in, in the type of worldly detachment, even though again it seems totally attached, totally possessive, its it doesn't seem it is, but again, with the center, in the center. <laughs> so, so I, I will mostly emphasize that side of the equation because generally we will Santaras is It's very much connected with yogic practices and more passive adoration. As you have heard, Guru Nanak will say the beatific uh, contemplation of vision. Mm-hmm. No? when when you are like satisfied about just like sitting and even not having uh, direct relationship of service with Bhagavan. That's another point that Rupa Goswami makes in, in, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindh and Jiva Goswami elaborates in his purports. That from the four types of mukti that are relatively acceptable for us, although in Gaudiya Sampradaya, none of them are at all desirable, actually, that are considered even an obstacle to the, to the ultimate refined ideal that we want to attain. But, let's say for a minute, you know, we have five types of mukti, one of them, of course, Brahma, Sayuja, is not at all considered. But the other four, Sarshti, Samipya, Sarokya, and Sarupya, from those four, only Samipya, according to Gurmash, we have been speaking about this recently quite a lot, only Samipya includes Prem. Which Samipya means you are residing in the same planet as Bhagavan, and in proximity with him, not only in the same planet, because I mean, we are in the same planet with so many people, <laughs> we don't even have a clue about who they are. So you can be the same planet with Narayan, and it may feel cool. I mean, i mean, Narayan's planet, he may be right next to the call co- over the corner, or on the other side of the globe. Of like <laughs> but Samipi implies not only Salokia, again, Saloki means in the same planet, Samipi means in a, the relationship of service. That type of, of connection implies some dasya in Vaikuntha. But the other types of mukti in Vaikuntha, Sarsti having the opulence of Narayan, Sarupya having the form of Narayan, Sar- Salukya residing in the same planet of Narayan, may not imply any form of dasya, but just santa. And santa means someone is satisfied, as in the words of Guru Maharaj, with the uh, perks, he said, perks. The perks of Vaikuntha? No. So you can have this form, you can have this wealth, you can have this planet. (laughs) And that's all. So, of course, again, in that sense, Santa Rasa is not too much connected with what we find in Raj, because it's not enough for them to have to be in the same planet. I mean, they want to be with Krishna every single moment of their life. And whenever they are not with Him for a minute, it's you guys, no. So it's not like oh, we are in the same planet. With, I mean, you don't see the gopis, Christians going to Mathura. Well, we remain on the same planet, so no problem. <laughs> we remain in the same even town, in the same country, so it's okay. We are not that far. No, I mean, they lose sight of him for a minute and they are going crazy. But if you want to put it on top of that, you know, sometimes Shirad is in front of Krishna. And she, somehow she, she experiences prey by chitya, and she experiences separation in union. Now, is in front of him, it's a famous story, and the bumblebee comes, and you have to get Madhusudan off the stage. And so, some, there are different versions of that. So sometimes one of the gopis is saying, Okay, now Madhusudan is gone, he has gone to the Patmali. Like it's like Lalita saying, like the, the the bumblebee has been chased away and now he's in the lotus. But she rather understands Madhusudan. The name of Krishna and Padmali means the friend of Padma, who is Chandravali. So she understands. Oh, Krishna went with Chandravali now. While although Krishna is in front of her, sitting there, so she falls into the zone of separation, in ecstasy, and starts to cry. And I cannot live without him. And why? Do you live? And Krishna is saying to the gopis, don't say anything. No. I want to witness this unique ecstatic expression. So, I'm saying all this to, to make some comparison or contrast between those who are in Vaikuntha and feel relatively comfortable to just be in the planet of God, even without seeing Him on a daily basis, <laughs> and the Brajavaz is on the other extreme, not being able to tolerate the second without seeing Him. So. So I will mostly connect the experience of Santaras again with this idea. Guru Maharaj will say, also emphasize this point of universal compassion. Lack of selfishness and universal compassion as two very distinctive features of, of Santa. Prahlad Maharaj is like one embodiment of Santarati. So, and he's very much in these two lines, you know, the story when Narsimha Devi is offering something and offering something, take some blessing from me and Prahlad say, Prabhu, have you seen me face... I, I do have face of the Baisya or something. Do you feel like I'm worshipping you to make business with you? That I'm worshipping so now you offer me some blessing and I can ask whatever I want? Oh, what, a, what a pity I was born with this Baisya face. For like I, say. <laughs> I don't want to be a, a businessman with you. I don't want to worship you in exchange of something. As, as Guru Mahesh says, someday you reach that point of insight when you understand that giving is the receiving, actually. Not that the more you give, the more you receive. At one point, you to begin with, you have to reach there first, because in the beginning you feel no giving, but just receiving. So eventually, the panorama gets bigger. But again, these are nice words, but you have to, to leave them. It's not so easy to really reach that point of inner insight when you really feel that giving is there a city? Hmm. That day I was reading some article from one boy who was like, there was some tornado or something in one place and, and, and one, boy, like, one boy maybe he had like twenty something years and he saved one little smaller boy of four or five years who lost everything because of the tornado and he kind of adopted this little boy as his new brother or something. So he was saying, like, it feels good to give. (laughs) And of course, I appreciate, we have to begin somewhere, but also, and I'm not judging him, I don't know him, but you could feel by the context of the rest of what he was saying, that he was feeling good because of giving, but still there was some separate sense of, I feel good, and, and I'm giving, and I'm giving because I feel good. So sometimes giving to others or helping others also may be a way of, of developing some form of, of ego at the same time. I'm helping; they depend on me. I'm special. I mean, all the things can be there in the name of giving. Also, so again, it's not so such a grotesque way of feeding your ego, but still you may be feeling feeding your ego. I mean, there are so many ways to feed your ego. You may, as Thomas Merton say, you may want to be a saint as a way of feeding your ego Because if I am a saint, I'm a saint. Almost nobody is a saint. So if you get to be a saint, well, you're, you're a saint. You belong to another category. <laughs> so in a very subtle way, you may be using the most ideally opposite structure regarding ego to feed your ego. Like, I want to be a saint. <laughs> so... So one side you have that, no, like the lack of, of, of selfish interest and being in love with with dedicating yourself and giving yourself to God, basically. That that's that's not so easy. So Santoras has to do with that, with and therefore a strong sense of detachment from this world. Of course, again, our our lineage is not just detachment, but a detachment that comes. It's a byproduct of of, of certain attachment. But nonetheless, detachment has to be there. I mean, there are so many verses in our tradition that attachment is being mentioned. Yes, it's a byproduct of bhakti, but it has to be there. It's not that you use the excuse, no, no, I'm only for attaching to Krishna. Okay, no problem. So let's see the byproduct in the form of detachment. And never detachment is coming. (laughs) So say, where is your attachment to Krishna? Because one thing will take the other. that's 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 in, in many places mahaprabhu bhakta ganer vairagya pradan yaha dekhi dik yaha dehi dik dik hoy gaur bhagavan it enables us to mahaprabhu bhakta ganer vairagya pradan one of the most defining qualities of the viragya of mahaprabhu is vairagya detachment yaha deki prita hoy gaur bhagavan mahaprabhu sees that detachment in his devotees he becomes so happy. But again, it's a type of detachment which is rooted in divine, passionate love. Bhakti, Parishan, Vah, says the Bhagavad. the same thing. Like when you are uh, hungry, three things will happen simultaneously when you have more cells of food. One, you obtain um Mm. Taste, you taste the food, it has some flavor. Second, you receive strength. The food is entering, the energy is coming. And third, hunger is disappearing with every morsel. The three things are happening at the same time. I think you had the experience today with pasta, with donuts, and so on. <laughs> so so Bhagavan uses this daily example to speak about what should happen when, when we engage in bhakti. You have to increase it, you have to develop a taste for this bhajan, you have to increase your internal realization of Bhagavan and huh? virakti. Virakti means detachment. No, like, no more hunger, basically. And similarly, you speak, you hear the, the, the attributes of Bhava Bhakti, mostly the first one, shantir virakti. Viartakalaton. Detachment. But again, of course, in the context of certain attachment. So, so I'm saying all this because, again, we will see detachment, detachment belongs to Santa Rasa, but generally in Santa Rasa detachment has more a yogic-like orientation, which is not so much like with the attachment element to the equation, but just detachment. The but there is detachment the in Vrindavan, in, in you know, as a byproduct of the attachment. Again it doesn't it is it's not like how uh, do you say overt evidence mm-hmm. especially in Vrindavan but as we know when when all of those Brajavasis came in the form of sadakas where detachment is plays if you will a more prominent role in certain examples or whatever dynamics of the Lila, then you see how detached they are. Mm-hmm. When you see the, and, and even in Vrindavan, you know, that's much, the point when, I don't know, Nandan and Yashoda want to, to have a child and they do this goddessy brat for a year. <laughs> like like nothing. Okay, let's do this breath. Okay, let's do this brat. And for one year, this extreme tapasya, but without even like, okay, we have to prepare to this this difficult, I don't know, we have to do this brat. Okay, let's do it. And they do like in a normal, like without even thinking about that. This brat, so you see, wow, well, if you pay close attention, you will see the detachment that, that is present in Vrindavan. But in Gorlila, that appears much more overtly in the form of a Rupa Goswami or, or whoever. So, again, there is baragya. <coughs> so, I will say those two things. On one side, the, the lack of detachment connected with this idea of. of, of, of uh, this like lack of selfishness <coughs> and universal compassion, which again, in, in the brajalila it may not take that much overt prominence because in one sense, it, compassion takes another form because there's nobody to preach to in Brindavan, basically. <laughs> no, it's not that let's go and, and distribute books and enlighten all these Brajavasis. I mean Udav tried to do that. But he was, the Radivasi sold him a whole Bhagavad collection. (laughs) He read the book and he was in there. Oh, wow. (laughs) So he went with tons of books, but he ended being preached to. (laughs) But. But there is, I mean, they have another type of compassion again. It's not that there is no compassion in the branch, but it's another form of compassion. They have compassion for Krishna, for example, <laughs> or like this, for their shoulder in separation from each other. It's another form compassion is taking in the context of rasa. But again, when they, when they come in Gaur Lila, they show extreme compassion, extreme humility. Mm-hmm. And all that could be the Santarasa in the, in the Nitya brajvasis, basically. No? For, for us to, to understand that we have at Guru Mahaj will mention that over and over again. You want Vrindavan, you want Charivav, you want Sakyavav, you want Madhuryav. First you embrace all that Santarasa implies. For you as a Sadaka, in connection to your uh, goal of Vrindavan. So first, you have to develop universal compassion. First, you have to develop the humility that goes hand-by-hand hand with that universal compassion. First, you have to be free from all levels of selfishness. Again, not as a paranoia or neurosis or anything, but just as a necessary um, experience that we need to go through in order to to really get there, you know, to not cheat ourselves and make the, something so dignified and so refined, something lower than what it really is. That's the last thing we want to do. And we should be very prayerful not to make the, our ideal something less of what it really is. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do that, because the ideal is so high, and we may have so easy a tendency to make things cheaper than what they are, because that's the language of this world. Right? try to make everything as cheaper as possible, <laughs> to pay as less as I can, to remain as mo- the more in the comfort zone as I can. So We know that Rindavan is not about that. Rindavan is about getting out of the comfort zone. Rindavan is getting out of the ego zone. Um, die to live. So many phrases that we have, we can repeat one after the other. But actually we have to enter into those concepts because we can be speaking about that for eternity, but these concepts are to be inhabited by us, not just like pirates. I mean, I'm saying that for me to begin with, just... <laughs> <coughs> Recently I was in, we were in Vrindavan and we were doing Govardhan parikrama one day, with Chilabaktivichar, Vishnu, Maharaj and other Sadhus also. Ati Sundar, Sadhu, maharaj and others. And we were walking, and, and, and one, one lady came. One Brajewasi lady, one Brajagopi, you know, like born in Brindavan, you could feel that old lady with the sari, and, and bringing on her head like a big like pile of cow dung, dry, so it was not that heavy, but it was big, and this <laughs> at, at least you have to know how to be in balance to. to I'm walking normally with that. So we were walking on Bish and Sila points and her said, Brajagopi, Braja Gopika. Everyone wants to be a Braja Gopika. But nobody wants to do what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> we all chuckle because, yes, yeah, that's the point. I want to be a Gopi. I want to taste this. I want to. But if you pay attention, to what's the daily dynamics of being a Gopi Gopika? It's like menial service after menial service after menial service after menial service. And, and, and the point is, for you to be fully satisfied with that, you have to be free from ego for sure. <laughs> because if you ask me, Marsh, What's my eternal service? What, what will be my eternal aesthetic sacred rapture? Carrying cow dung for for, for for eternity. <laughs> I was like, okay. Is there something more like confidential? <laughs> <or> <laughs> intimate? Well, Raghunath does is cleaning Shirada 's toilet with her braid as a You Well, you can do that one. I can give you the toilet for, for eternity also. I was like, ah... Uh, some more leadership role there, organized. So the only thing we are doing is projecting our pratista into the lila, basically, and you are just realizing, I still have layers and layers of ego and self-centeredness that I need to get rid of before going there. Because I will never go there with that to begin with. It's not that I will be there with that and that will be a problem. No, I won't go there. So... So, santa has to do with all that, basically. I mean, S- santa comes from shanti, and shanti means peace. And, and of course, as we will say, peace and love, it all converges in love, but you have to know how to, to be in peace also. And Krishna in the Gita says that. You know? He says, people want to be happy, but they are not so much concerned with being at peace with themselves. But one thing is takes to the other. I mean, you can't have real happiness without being in, in peace. And the problem people in this world want to be happy without being in peace. So you have you see which is the result of that. You just want to enjoy, not be happy. That's a different thing. Real happiness is have to be in peace. <laughs> and of course, peace implies so many things. And as sadhakas, we have to culture so many things that have to do with peace. I mean, how Rupa Goswami begins. I mean, he ends. How does he end? Okay, yes. Radha Vrindavan, about Vaikuntha and Ayodhya and all the layers and our yulk making converge this Madhurya Seva and so on. But again, how does he begin? <laughs> control your tongue. Control your genitals. It sounds like, oh, why so bold? <laughs> Can not he be a little bit more romantic or like in presenting certain and the first verses are like, oof, oof, no. Like, do not do a satsanga. Do not overeat. Do not overaccumulate stuff. Uh, do not critique. And, and it's like, ooh. But you can measure, if you don't like to hear that, probably it's because you are not beyond that. Because if you are beyond that, or, or if you are full into that, you will feel fortunate, though, so nice that someone like Rupa Goswami is reminding you of that. That's how Raghunadas Goswami reacted when, remember, Das Goswami was the, the top most renunciant and pre in and he was like dying for personal instruction by Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu said, Do not gossip. He began with that. It's not the Raghunadas, why do you tell me, Do not gossip? I am Raghunadas Goswami. He didn't say that. <laughs> he was like being grateful. Do not gossip. Then, as you know, he told him, Do not eat fancy food. And it's not the Raghunatha's son who said, Hey, Mahaprabhu, I'm just eating the grains that not even the cows in Jagannath Puri are taking. Why do you tell me to do that in fancy food? I'm not going to the MBT there in Vrindavan and eating pasta and pizza and and asking for some local thing from my town? And then do not wear fancy clothes. I mean, and Raghunatha's son was wearing, luckily, a coping. He didn't say, Hey, it's not a fancy coping I'm wearing. He was just accepting everything and imbibing and, and that of course that was not for him. But, and then he said, Yeah, you, um, Raja Manu, Raja Radha Krishna Manasa In your mindset Radha Krishna Vrindavan. But he began saying, Don't gossip. <laughs> like implying you know you you cannot you cannot get to the gossip in Vrindavan if you don't stop gossiping here. I mean in Vrindavan it's full of gossip. Everyone's gossiping about Krishna in different ways. <laughs> but it's a prakrit gossip. If you want to get to that prakrit gossip, you have to transcend all the other so called gossips. Mm-hmm. Raghunath Das Goswami did his homework nicely. He obeyed Mahaprabhu, and then at the end of his last Tava, he's saying something very nice. But again, you cannot imitate that. First, you have to do your homework, then you can repeat that verse. I, I repeated it because I was reading the book, but I felt mm, I can just repeat it because I'm reading the book, but I have to do my homework yet. Das Goswami said, Even if someone invites me to Dwarka and tells me that Krishna is there and there is a great celebration of Harikata going on, instead of going there, I will remain in Vrindavan speaking Prajalpa with non-devoteed Vrindavasas, he said, in Vrindavan. But I won't leave Vrindavan. I will remain in Vrindavan speaking Prajalpa with non-devoteed Vrindavasas instead of going somewhere else to hear even Harikata Krishna's presentation again, from which side he's saying that, and so on. So, it's important to know which level of homework do we have to do at present, <laughs> basically. So, so there is a lot of what Santarasa implies that we need to, to embrace. To be Shanti, ourselves, to be in peace. Like Krishna said, Bukhara, Yaknyata, Apasam, Sarbaluoka, Maheshwana, Suridam, Sarbha Whenever, when, when you finally accept that I am the supreme controller, enjoyer, and friend, you, you attain Santaras, if you will. You become peaceful. So then comes our own introspection. How much I am accepting Krishna as my, not as the enjoyer, but as my enjoyer. No, it's not that all oh, Krishna is the enjoyer. The enjoyer of what? Of whom? It's not that he's the enjoyer. Let him enjoy with the. Go- I'm not part of that game. Let him enjoy and, and you what? You are trying to be the enjoy- a separate enjoyer's club for yourself. It means you are proportionate to how much you want to remain the enjoyer. You are not accepting that he is the enjoyer. So if, 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 if there is some problem in accepting that Krishna is the enjoyer, it means that we have not fully understood and digested the whole idea of enjoyment, actually. And how he deserves to be the full enjoyer, because he knows how to do it. We don't know how to do it. How many times we try to enjoy and it gets worse and worse. (laughs) (laughs) That shows we are not the supreme enjoyer. We don't know how to enjoy. We are to be enjoyed by the supreme enjoyer, and that's enjoyment for us, basically. And again, Krishna is Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, the supreme controller. How much we have engaged in agati and really accepted that. The more we do that, we can be in peace. And the more we accept he's our friend, means we trust him. And we are not like nervous about what's going on in our lives and trying to calculate and make something happen according to what we think is best. All that means I'm not in peace yet. Krishna mm-hmm. Bhakti Janmakhoris, Krishna Bhakti Nishkama, Taiva Santa bhukti mukti siddhikami Sakalya santa hmm? Krishna Das Goswami gives the, his, his definition of a devotee of Krishna. Hmm? He says, Krishna Bhakta Nishkām. Again, that's quite Santa Rasa-like. He connects Nishkām and Śānta. Krishna Bhakta Nishkām, Ataiva Śānta. A devotee of Krishna is Nishkām, is free from selfish motives, therefore Ataiva Śānta. He's in peace. He connects no? selflessness with peace and bhukti mukti siddhi kami sakali ashanta But those who want mukti Bhukti Siddhi no? sense enjoyment, even uh, liberation, mystic perfections, kami, this desire this, sakali-ashanta. They are asanta, they cannot be in peace, they cannot sleep, fully sleep at night. They can go into this deep sleep, <laughs> because their, their desires are disturbing them. So that's a very clear definition of what's what Santaras, if you will, how Santaras is included in the Brindavan equation. And again, we may not be full fledged Brajvasis yet, <laughs> but but that's our ideal. So we need to, how to say, to, to, to act accordingly to our idea, even though we may be lifetimes away from the full accomplishment of the idea. We need to proceed in such a way that at least we are walking those lifetimes, we're threading that, the path of those lifetimes so we get closer and closer. So, so yeah, we, we all have to go through these things, no matter if you go to. Yeah, we were speaking about that recently in Radhakund, because some people may think, oh, I go to Radhakund, yeah. I get Siddha Pranali, Kalashabad, and and, and what? I mean, you have to go through all the same things that we have to go through here in Madhavan, in Argentina, in any other Gaudia group. Yeah. It's not that someone told you you are this Manjari and, and you are beyond selfish motives and, and you, you transcend the lack of control. You are in the exact same situation. You have to go through all the things. So the homework is there. It's waiting for us. <laughs> so, yeah, I will try to point in that direction regarding... How to conceive Santa Rasa as as a sādhu here now, and in connection to the to the ideal of ideal role models that we see them in Brindavan and in Nam. okay, forty minutes answer, Sorry. <laughs> Any other questions? Of this peace because it seems like uh, we need this inner peace to become pure the truth, But is meanwhile joining Kulila is nothing but peace mm-hmm. there's so much stuff going on so where is this peace in India <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again because that's why Guru said to say peace and love you know? mm-hmm. so love enters into the picture and it seems that it's doing away with all possible peace. <laughs> it may be, a, it's a good charity as Guru today was quoting this his famous verse, the astonishing qualities of divine love. It makes everything seem something different from what it is, basically. And that's how love preserves itself and hides itself between, behind a certain, like, packaging from those who do not have the the eyes to appreciate that. So so I I, I, I I agree that Krishna Lila Braja Lila is <laughs> can be pretty overwhelming. No, As narrating today, Brahma Mohan Lila will narrate these days. No, Brahma was pretty overwhelmed. <laughs> he had idealized, no, my guru is like this and this is the way to be spiritual and this is the way to behave in relation to God and having eaten a picnic with left hand was not in, in his equation. Uh, his foreheads start to light, But still, peace is there. But again, the point is, <laughs> peace is there in, in a very foundational level in the form of universal compassion, selflessness. But, and I know this is not easy to understand, but that is so little in comparison to what is above that peace that it seems not to be there at all. Maybe for us, that peace is like, wow, I want peace, I need peace, <laughs> I need peace of mind, and so on. But in Vrindavan, as you mentioned, it seems that they are, every single day, like totally engaged and preoccupied with Krishna, and just saw that crying and disturbed, and where is he, and in anxiety, and Gopi's crying, and everyone seems like, oh my God, it doesn't seem that there is any peace here. Huh? better I go to Vaikuntha or something, everything's more quiet there. That's what happened to Gopakumar, he was in Vaikuntha. He kind of didn't fit there. And everyone, everything was nice, peaceful, Narayan was there, eternity is there. But he was in anxiety Because everything was too, li- too less dynamic, if you will. No? <laughs> everyone was like meditating and contempl- beatific contemplation and too peaceful. And he was like, grimming, grimming, grimming with Prem. So that created another type of anxiety, but in the context of Prem. That, and, I, and again, it may be difficult for us to fully appreciate that. And first, we may need to be at, in peace in the context of bhakti, to get closer to to appreciate that much better. But But again, peace is there. But, but peace is not the the ultimate goal for us. Again, Santa Rasa, Santa is just the the foundation. Mm -hmm. At least on the higher world. On the lower world here, generally this is, it is described that the, the list is like inverted. Uh, In this world, there, parakia is the higher thing. Here, parakia is the most condemned stuff. At least officially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Extramarital relationships is not something that, the society will like praise, it's on the lower end, but and the Golok is on the higher end, on Golok Shantaras is on the lower end, here is on the higher end, to be at peace, universal compassion, to go beyond extramarital, marital, mother relation, father relation, friend and to be a citizen of the world and dedicate your life to help whatever, some situation in the world, universal compassion, without selfishness on some level, what people in this world understands and as lack of selfishness and compassion, that's like, praise everyone is praising that above everything else. But when you reach the higher realm, it's, it's the opposite idea. No? So It's there, but as a foundation. But when the lila starts to take place, I mean, when the dynamics of the lila start to activate, yeah, I mean, if you have too much peace, you have no lila. I mean, lila implies movement, and peace implies the opposite of that. (laughs) Santa Rasa is... I'm not moving, as Guamrass will say. Why move, just sit? Mm -hmm. But in in Brindavan, they will give you the opposite instruction. Why sit and start moving, but dancing in the context of lila? So, yeah, it's, it's pretty astonishing and overwhelming friend that That's that's the, speci- the specialty of, of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, is, as Guru Mahal says, on the concept of post-liberated stage. So I try to imagine peace has more to do with sattva here, or some generic form of uh, emancipation, but... Gaudiya Sampradaya will will start to speak about what's going on on, the, on top of that, above that. And once you reach Mukti, on post-liberated stage. That's the specialty of the Goswami, Bhakti Rasa. That's the level of inquiry. Not a Tattu Dharmaji not a Tattu Brahmaji but a Tattu Rasa Gnasa. That's, that's the, the, the focus of the Bhagavatam. So that's so high, but again, the, Despite it is so high, we shouldn't forget that we need to go through certain stages in order to reach the Earth. So so peace is part of the equation, again, in the form of controlling our impulses and mind and senses. I mean, we have to do that that job. No matter how how refined is your theistic conception, you have to sit and, when chanting japa, concentrate your mind, basically. (laughs) And if you realize that still after five minutes your mind is going shopping here and there, you have to do some homework. No matter how much you can, one, be proud, no, I belong to Mahaprabhu Sampradaya and this refined, developed, aesthetic conception of the Divine, we are so fortunate, yes, but we have to do our homework. Like want the Buddha said the other day, you want to see where is your relationship with Krishna? Just sit down for five minutes and see where is your mind when chanting Japa. And let's be practical. <laughs> so if still we see that our mind is going here and there and it's attached to thinking and thinking and not being able to be in the present moment in, rela- in, in, in relationship with Srinam, still we need to work on that it's glorious, <laughs> so so yeah, there's, it's important to to explain Lila in a, in a with this type of background, because if not we can very quickly and cheaply speak about well, Lila and Christian doing this and the Gopis and the gopas, and it can all be reduced to a like a funny story or, or like charming, charming for our intellect, oh, how charming, but we, we may not be able to fully play out the implications of, of what, what it means to reach there from where I am here now, so, so the, the narration will be fully charming when I fully understand what it takes to do from me here to, to really be there, so there I will be really able to fully appreciate all that the Lily implies. It's not just like a, a game, if you, it's divine play. So. so, yeah. Anyhow, so some ideas. There's one question here, thanks. We have 10 minutes, right? Yes. So I'll read it and we will reply that in 10 minutes or so. It's a question sent by Ashwin Jacquiani. So it says like this my pranams? Is there a scope within the Bhaktivinoda Parivar to understand some aspects of the Bhagavatam in an allegorical or non-literal way, especially concerning the presentation of time and cosmology, since many of the Bhagavatam presentations contradict with apparent empirical observation. Some Gaudias outside the Parivar seem to be comfortable In saying that the Bhagavatam cosmology or duration of time is not meant to be taken literally, and hence doesn't correspond to our experience on earth. But our contemporary Acharyas, like Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada, seem to emphasize the literal understanding. Okay? So I don't know if I will be able to reply in ten minutes. (laughs) So, that's a tricky one, in this sense. So I'll try to say something, and if not, we can continue in some other moment. So I don't want to go... Too much late, uh, but yeah, I, I'm aware of the situation, and, and it goes, of course, beyond or the specific topic you are mentioning, whether cosmology and time, whether planet Earth is round or flat, or and so on. You know? because yeah, as you as you mentioned. Are there certain sections in the Bhagavatam that can be taken in an allegorical way? There are many levels of, of inquiry here. Of course I will say yes, there are sections in the Bhagavatam that can be taken in an allegorical way, or that should be taken, because the Bhagavatam itself is mentioning that. For example, you have this, his story of Puranjana, and the city of Puranjana, and all these like, metaphorical descriptions of the place, parts of the city. I mean, it's a whole chapter. And at the end, and, and, and that's an and, and there's also in connection with one part that it seems to describe something that one is calling from by Kunta, which is another another topic. <laughs> it's in the fourth canto, but it's all allegorical. At the end of the chapter, the Bhagavad itself, Narada is retelling this story and say, so "I'm I'm using this analogy and allegory for illustrating a particular point." So. I, this is not the particular section you are referring to, but I'm referring to some section in the Bhagavatam, which the Bhagavatam itself is saying, this is allegorical. Or like even in the beginning with Sukadev Goswami's, I won't say allegorical, but he's suggesting to Pariksit Maharaj uh, meditate on the, on the universal form of Bhagavan. And he's starting to say, so he's, um, he's, Bodily hairs are the grass, and like this. So it's a way of looking at the world in connection to its source, but it's not that in every single sense of the term, every single grass is Krishna's bodily hair, and because that can take you can become dysfunctional, even like I'm walking on Krishna's bodily hair, I'm walking on him, and whatever. <laughs> So it's a way of, of, and you can call it, if you want, allegorical, like symbolic, if you will, or archetypal, some ideas are are there. So, of course, the point is you need a guru to know which parts are literal, are to be taken literally, which parts are allegorical, which parts are, because the Bhagavatam is speaking in so many languages, as it is said by Jiva Goswami, speaks as a king, speaks as a friend, speaks as a lover. In other words, speaking about giving instructions without much explanation. Do this, like an order, like a king will do. Speaks like a friend, you know, like equals in other language and other terms. Or speaks like lovers, which is Parokshava. Shabbat. means indirect speech. When you are saying something, only your beloved will understand what you actually mean. Everyone else thinks they understand. <laughs> and that's a charm that only you and your beloved, you look at your eyes, and you're, it's even more charming when you realize everyone else misunderstood what we actually mean. <laughs> but only the two of us got it. You know? So that g- creates an extra charm. So there are sections in the Bible, and also it's speaking in those terms. So, I'm saying all this because it's not just literal or allegorical language in the Bible, and black and white, and which is which, and that's all. You have so many layers and, and of meaning, and language is employed there, so it's not, that, not, it's not that easy task. That's why I want well, yeah, to pay close attention to the Bhagavad, book Bhagavat, and the devotee Bhagavad. And concerning specifically your point, I, well, of course you mentioned that there are some things that the Bhagavatam mentioned that uh, contradict empirical observation, and again, for a minute, going beyond the topic in itself, we will find many things that will contradict empirical observation. I mean, empirical observation is uh, a very, it's called basically Pratyaksha by Jiva Goswami. It's one of the three types of Brahman or, or valid means of knowing that we accept. Mm? Pratyaksha, Anuman, and Shabda. So Pratyaksha means like direct sensory experience. So I only believe what I see so what I can touch or something like that. Empirical observation. But Jeeva was trying to say, although we use that on a daily basis, that's not at all the ultimate, definitive, conclusive method to ascertain the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. Even Anuman, which is like, how is it in English? Inference? Inference? It's not fully accurate. No? You, see, oh, oh, there's, you see, oh, there's smoke there. There may be fire. There's fire there. You conclude there's fire because generally you see fire and there's smoke, but not necessarily. There is fire. There may be smoke for some reason, but nonetheless, there is fire. So my point is, Anumana also is not fully accurate, I'm just really summarizing something. (laughs) You can read Tatva Sandhara from Jiva Goswami from detailed explanation of that. But the conclusion is, for us to get uh, real information about transcendence and subsequent transformation through that information, we have to resort to revelation, to Shabda, divine knowledge. And that has, that's not a, an empirical method, that transrational method. And for sure, the the, 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 report of the mystics may contradict the report of the scientists or, or the empiricists. And, and the point is, and the Bhagavatam, of course, is, is part of that. The Bhagavatam is spoken in trance. I mean, Sri Vyasadeva was instructed by Narad Muni, you enter into Samadhi and then ed, edit your Bhagavatam. He already wrote the Bhagavatam before, the first edition, as you know, but he was not satisfied. So he had to go through the uh, editing house, if you will. No? <laughs> but it was a certain standard of editing in this case. He had to enter into samadhi. It was not about paying some high, nice editor, but <laughs> his guru say, enter into samadhi and the, all the necessary editing will reveal there. <laughs> and then we have the Bhagavatam as we know it now. So the point is, he enters into trans-rational, trans, trans, mystic trance. So that has nothing to do with the empiric method. So many things in the Bhagavatam may, may may really appear um, wild you know, to the empiric approach. So, So I will say that it's not that we necessarily have to immediately resort oh no that's allegory because it's not fitting uh I mean, observation. Because try to understand if I'm not saying that's the background of your question, but give me five more minutes please. <laughs> I mean, if something that do not fit empiric observation that's reduced to allegory. I mean then the is the whole Bhagavatam is allegory. The Krishna, Brajalila, everything becomes re- reduced to an allegory. Allegory, sorry. Some, so, <laughs> and, and that's not like that works like that. Actually, on the contrary, for for mystic, the empirical, limited empirical observation is kind of an allegory of the ultimate reality. <laughs> it's like a symbol, a little indication, of, or if you want to call it distorted reflection of the actual, the real thing. So actually, a mystic will say the the opposite thing from his her vantage point of view. From transrational experience, I mean, to to expect that reality only will be limited to empirical approach, it's totally like suffocating reality. So, but of course I agree that, of course we don't want to, we won't go to a, to a laboratory and with the Bhagavatam in hand and try to preach to the scientists and convince them what the is saying is reality and your empirical observation is nonsense. No, because they have proved, I mean on some level, empirical observation is proven, like how do you say, it's working basically, it's operative on some level, and that's the level they are moving, so you cannot just expect that they will just jump to the transrational mystical trance of Vyasa and agree with all the biotans said with you there. I mean, that's a totally different platform. So I understand that some type of of, of clashing may be there when certain things are different, and, and, and I don't. I'm not so much of the idea that devotees should like take a very heavy stance. Let's fight these demons. Unless convinced how the biotan actually is the ultimate truth and whatever they are saying is mental speculation, because mm, it's not working. You see, they judge the first by a result. <laughs> so, so there are many things to consider. Yeah, why the biology is saying what it says regarding some things in time and cosmology, which is the 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 place from which Sukadev Goswami is saying what he's saying again unless you you enter into trance how you will understand what someone in trance has to say why say they say what they say you know? and i understand many scientists and priests are not interested in that they do not even believe in that so i, I would say that the the first conversation with them will be how to get closer into that idea how to make them more interested into the, the possibility of a transrational Perspective. Instead of trying to fight, who is right? Is there the Earth? Is the Earth flat or, or round? Or the time and the and the Jugas and the ages and the duration? I mean, that will we will be fighting forever in those. Uh, and nobody will accept the other thing, and, and and none of those things are foundational for our Badenese even. I mean, because sometimes I've seen the girl getting totally entangled. Like fifth count of the battle, is about Whatever, these type of things, or or the or the forests of material enjoyment, and these type of sections, that <laughs> and and they totally miss sections like Bharat Maharaj, and those things that are the very essence, devotional essence of the Bhagavad and so. So I will emphasize these type of things. I understand that Prabhupada, yes, I agree that he really make a more literal. Uh, emphasis regarding, more absolutistic emphasis regarding whatever comes from Revelation, uh, generally, because I understand why he did so, which were the climate of the time, the situation of his students, his own way of presenting things as well, and and that was working for the time being, but of course also he eventually, in time, he started to take different stances, he said different things about different things, And eventually he connected also his disciples with someone like Sula Siddhar Maharaj, which will be, will was made of a man of grace, not a black and white, white person. Mm. So, but again, we have to understand. We were speaking with Warsunda we yesterday a little bit about some of the things. Sometimes to understand why our acharyas say what they say, we also have to under, make a whole social cultural study of the times and the society and their, their own background and separate some relative influences in their psychology and, and their psychology of the audience. I mean, it's a whole messy stuff entering to that. It's not just like absolutizing everything that comes from there and I'm loyal to street Dev or something. You will make a disaster in the name of Parampara. You know? So it's important to take, at least some people, to take the time of like delving into this thing and trying to to analyze there in further detail, but again, I wouldn't make that much big of a, of a problem, but yes, in, in, in trying to interact with the modern world, I, I will say that devotees should be a little bit more cautious about how to how to start the dialogue, and, and, and maybe instead of trying to start the dialogue from that point, like, let's convince them about the Bhagavatam version or something. <laughs> Better, how we can speak in terms so they start to appreciate the possibility of a transrational experience because the biotin is spoken from that foundation. But if they do not even consider the possibility of trans, the whole conversation will be lost of time for sure for both parties. So <laughs> sometimes I think that's more important instead of how do we solve this conversation to ask ourselves. Is this the conversation we should be having to begin with, or maybe we have to have two, three other conversations first to create the stage for eventually having that conversation in a more successful way? So some ideas, Ashwin, I hope that helps. Of course, that's a long, uh, not so I mean long question, but long, long topic. But I appreciate your your inquiry and your thoughts. So I hope that helps. So let's say we are already more than an hour so we will finish here thank you so much to all of you for your time and your presence and tomorrow we are beginning if I'm not mistaken with a series of lectures I at least I'm beginning with a series of lectures on, on the Venu Gita oh. so that will be the song of the flute one of the six main songs of the 10th canto in the Bhagavatam, sung by the Gopis with, along with Pranay Gita Gopi Gita Viraha Gita Jugal Gita and Brahma Gita so I read did some of them out of order, so sorry for that. The Nugita is the first one, but we are doing now, now like fourth order. So, <laughs> so we will begin tomorrow and hopefully we have time to then go with the Pranay Gita, which is the next one. So that will be in some days in the week. The, the player is there at this, at this, this same time. And then, then our Gurmash will begin next day. Oh, there will be a special celebration on, on Tuesday, right? Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday. Yeah? Wednesday twenty seventh. Okay. Whatever. There is a flyer there, but our Gurmash will give some special lecture on Wednesday for Prabhupada Bhattisvanta's Tirubhab Mahotsav, also starting a series on, on the Brahma Mohan Lila and Brahma Stuti uh, earlier. During different days of the week. So the ones who are interested can join us as well. Shila Gurudev ki jha, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Hrinam Prabhu ki jha, Sri Sri Dauji Gupalji ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavramanda ki jai, Gaur